Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. I wanted to get to the issue of parental alienation. And it's gaining uh, a lot of traction and certainly public awareness for the last number of years as more and more cases come before the courts. It is broadly defined as to when a child who had previously a healthy relationship with their parent or parents begins to reject this parent seemingly without justification. Alienated parents often claim that this rejection occurs due to the psychological manipulation of the child's other parent, uh, particularly, I suppose, during a separation or divorce. And campaigners say that sometimes parental alienation is a continuation of domestic abuse, where the abuse par- abusive parent turns their children against the current or former partner. In other cases, parental alienation can occur during a high-conflict divorce, despite the couple having previously had a healthy relationship. And to talk to us a little bit more about it is uh, Ken Joyce, who is a spokes or should I say Ken Joyce, who's a spokesperson for the alienation uh, or a spokesperson of alienation children first. Good afternoon to you, Ken. Very good afternoon to you, Niall. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Now, Ken, you know, this is a minefield. Family law in itself is a minefield because of the in-camera rule. But a lot of parents find themselves in a situation after separation and divorce where they lose contact with their children because of years of manipulation by the other half uh, during particularly a contentious separation or divorce. How common is it? Far more so than you might like to think. Unfortunately, we have uh, 300,000 people estimated to be affected by parental alienation on our beautiful little island here, unfortunately. So it is, uh, it's a new pandemic altogether. Okay. And it's almost like because I mentioned the, the in-camera rule there earlier on with family law, it's almost some sort of dirty little secret. And there's something shameful about it. People tend not to want to talk about it because maybe they're ashamed of the fact that their, their daughter or their son doesn't speak to them anymore or doesn't want to have anything to do with them anymore. It can be quite shameful for people. It is. It's, it's a horrendous uh, form of abuse to use a child to, um, to propagate hatred uh, on somebody else. Um, and I, just for those that don't know, the in-camera rule is the one that make, uh, prevents people from talking about what happens in court, which, of course, is where parental alienation is most prevalent. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you have situations where, you know, um, m- uh, a, a dad will will say to the kids, "Oh, look, um, mum's going to be here at three o'clock to collect you today, and they, you know she's going to take you off for a fantastic time." And the kids will all be excited, and uh, three o'clock comes and goes. There's no sign of the mum, of course, who hasn't been informed about this. And then at half four, the dad says, oh, "I'm really sorry that your mum's so mean to you, but don't worry, I'll take you off to McDonald's. Come on, and we'll have fun." So that, they're the kind of tactics that are mm. employed to parentally alienate a or your, child. Or your dad is a bad person. He went off with another woman and he's a bad man. And this kind of portraying the other person as the villain, I suppose. Which, of course, means that half of the child themselves must be a villain. And that's, you know, something that the poor kids carry with them for the rest of their lives. And what can actually be done about it? Because you talk about it and you say it's a continuation of domestic abuse. And domestic abuse, as we know, uh, carries all forms. We've talked about coercive control. We've talked about emotional abuse. So it doesn't have to be physical. So you're saying it's a continuation. So even after they've had their separation and the divorce, it continues on because the alienation continues on. It often starts after all of that process is complete uh, because... You know, a husband or a wife finds themselves then with no contract with the 
uh, the other party and they decide, well, I can use the kids and I can I can get her that way or I can get him that way and uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll stop him seeing the kids or and of course it's it, it, you know it's 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 um, it is abuse it's absolutely abuse. But it often starts after, the, you know, you might have a perfectly healthy, non-abusive relationship and then parental alienation begins. And, you know, it's not just child abuse. It is, as you say, spousal abuse as well, because the child is being used as a weapon to hurt the other person. In fact, um, uh, I'm delighted that uh, you have uh, Josepha Madigan coming on. She's eminently qualified to speak about this. We've had dealings in the past with uh, Deputy uh, Carol McNeil, Jennifer, um, and she describes it beautifully, uh, beautifully when she says that uh, whether we are talking about sexual violence or domestic abuse, coercive control or parental alienation, they are all different sides of the same phenomenon. The, the difference dimension. is there's legislation available for some of the other ones that you mentioned there, but when it comes to parental alienation, we don't really have any legislation and it's a grey area and very difficult to prove, isn't it? Actually not. True. As of the coercive control legislation in 2019, parental alienation is covered. And Minister Helen McEntee is keen to make that point as well, because it's a form of coercive control. The problem is in the legislation, Niall, what they've done is they've made it uh, a crime if a parent uh, coercively controls another parent. And in this instance, the guards say they cannot act because it's the child who's doing it to the parent and therefore the legislation doesn't cover it. However, our barristers tell us that is not the case because if the parent, be they male or female, is using a child to hurt the other parent, they are therefore coercively controlling the other parent and it is covered. But we don't have the case histories uh, on board yet. And the big, big problem here is one of education. The judiciary just don't know about this thing. They don't have any qualifications. They don't understand what parental alienation is or indeed how to identify it, which is why this webinar with Dr. Bill Burnett um, is so important because he has this magnificent five-factor model that, you know, anybody can can very simply understand. And, uh, mm. and that's why we're so keen okay. to... Uh, Okay, well, well, hang hang on just for a second, Kenneth, because I do want to go to Josepha Madigan, Minister for State with Responsibility for Special Education and Inclusion. And, of course, Minister, you were very prominent during the legislation of the referendum, of course, to change the Divorce Act from four of the previous five to two of the previous three years. And congratulations once again on that referendum and the outcome of that registration uh, referendum, which has certainly changed things, although it's added a huge waiting list to the family law courts. But in saying that, Josepha, in relation to parental alienation, a lot more common than we think and very little seems to be getting done about it. Yeah, um, and it was really interesting listening to um, to Ken there um, and and his his you know views and his comments and you know his his expertise in this area. I mean, this term uh, for this pattern of parental abuse um, was first coined by Richard Gardner, um, and he used this term to describe these behaviours back in 1985. But it can be found um, increasingly so in high conflict separation, uh, as Ken points out. I mean, in blunt terms. It is a form of emotional abuse um, of a child and it's recognised as such by the court as a form of emotional abuse. I think the difficulty for practitioners, uh, as in from a family lawyer perspective, um, when cases like this 
come before us, um, and certainly in my time as, as a practicing solicitor, it is an extremely subtle form of, of abuse. Um, but it's important to say that it does carry significant penalties uh, in terms of what the court can do. So if the court becomes convinced that a parent is actively trying to alienate a child uh, from another parent, um, usually these behaviours lead to a breakdown in access, for example. That's usually how it manifests itself, or a breakdown in the relationship between the child and the parents. The court does have a number of remedies uh, in regard to parents who prevent access. So, for example, there are fines. Um, a parent may have to pay the expenses incurred by another parent in relation to the breach of access. And just to mention, and also, they can, in, in fact, if there's a, a conviction in relation to breach of access, it can actually lead to imprisonment. And just in relation to the legislation, um, when I hear what, what Ken is saying in terms of the lack of precedent thus far in relation to the course of control um, uh, uh, legislation for 2019, but there is and there are remedies under the Guardianship of Infants Act um, where a court can, can fine or force a parent um, who has facilitated a breach to pay expenses, as I said, for the other child. Mm-hmm. So that, that legislation is well, there. You, there, uh, there is judicial training. OK, well, for sorry for interrupting. But, well, in family law also. When you mentioned a few minutes ago the people who, uh, I suppose, breach the legislation, in other words, if, you know, a parent is told, listen, you know, yeah, your spouse will have the children from Monday to Tuesday at three o'clock and deliver them back at four o'clock and you have to deliver them to a certain place or meet up or whatever it is, and they don't do that. We hear a lot of stories from men who say that, you know, if the, the ex-wife or the partner doesn't deliver the children, they end up having to go back to court again and nothing happens apart from a slap on the wrist. Is that quite common? Is that true or is that just a myth? Yeah, I mean, look, parents have to be encouraged and supported um, at, uh, when they separate or divorce because it's a really, really emotional time for them. And no two situations are the same. You no know, parent can be lonely and miss the child's company. Like a parent could be projecting the negative aspects of their relationship with the other parent onto the child. And I think there are two fundamental points that need to be remembered. And if you like, the advice that I would give for parents is, first of all, to give the child permission to go. So it's not a case of, I'll miss you and I'll be waiting here till you get back, but rather go and have a super time with your dad or off you go and we'll really be looking forward to having you. Um, and, and then second of all, the child's relationship with his or her parent will not be the relationship that you had with your ex. It's the adult relationship which has broken down. So that relationship between the child and parent is simply not the same as the romantic or ceased romantic relationship between adults. So, you, you know, your child is not walking in your shoes per se. And I think it's important to stress that the primary care uh, has a huge role to play. In, and generally speaking, it is the female that is the primary care. And they have a huge role to play in encouraging and supporting the relationship. Um, but the, the contact parents also shouldn't sit back, uh, shouldn't sit on their hands and leave everything to the primary care. They must respect the other parent and show this to the child. And they must remember that the child is in a position of emotional trauma also. Um, and they must try to remember that it's not easy for anyone to move between uh, two homes. Um, so, you know, and and I, it can be quite, can we point out as well, because I know Ken, it can be very distressing for the parent who's been alienated, particularly, you know, I mean, it, and, and a child, of course, is referred to as a child, even over the age of 18, under the age of 23, or when they finish their education, whichever comes first. So it can be very distressing for a parent to think, I've done absolutely nothing wrong. Uh, in the last five or six years or whatever it happens to be during their the course of their separation and divorce or whatever it is, that the children have been turned against them because of whatever reason. And that can be extremely distress, distressing and harmful, of course, to that other parent. Sorry, Kenny, are you there? 
Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry. I, I thought you were speaking. I oh, thought yes. you were directing that one to Josefa. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely agree with, with everything that uh, Deputy Madigan has had to say. And uh, indeed, you know, what we're all about is healthy relationships for the kids with both parents. That's what it's all about. And that's all we are, are trying to achieve here. Um, now, it's not always possible, Ken, when you because most, I imagine, and I'm sure Deputy Madigan would agree with me, that most separations and divorces are not all the beds of roses and sweetness and nice. I mean, because usually there's an asset, there's a house or there's something there that people are fighting over. So there is generally contention in those situations. So I, I would imagine more times than not, you know, you know, bad words are said about either parent in a situation where whoever happens to be the primary carer is at home with the children. Absolutely, that's the case, and it's 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 natural, but it shouldn't go on, you know. After a few months, it's it's natural human reaction, but you you know you got to get over it for the good of the kids, um, because you know the, the 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 big problem with parental alienation is people going into court and making false accusations of parental alienation, and therefore undermining the genuine cases, meaning that those abused kids remain abused because there's such confusion in the system as to whether or not the case is parental alienation. And this is, again, back to this five-factor model of Dr. Bill, uh, Burnett's, uh, which help, will help judges identify it. Okay, well, I wanted to speak to Joseph Manigan again just for a few minutes if I can, but uh, there's a webinar on at 3 o'clock Monday the 30th of August and Dr. William Burnett, an international renowned expert on parental alienation, will be speaking at it and people can log in. How can they log into that or how do they get details of that again again? The registration is available at alienated.ie. Alienated. And it's free of charge. If you if you can afford to make a donation, we'd very much appreciate it, and we'll put it towards helping children. But um, otherwise, uh, you don't have to. Um, it's designed for the judiciary and people in the profession. Uh, Section forty seven assessors, those those types of people. But there are so many people now involved in parental alienation that they may well care to uh, log into alienated.ie and join in anyway. All right, Wilson, thank you very much indeed. I appreciate you coming on the air. Um, Minister Madigan, in relation to family law, uh, obviously you being an expert in it yourself as well, and obviously throughout the years you've you've been very well involved, and particularly, as I mentioned, the previous referendum. Is there a possibility in the future that we should be reviewing family law in relation to, first of all, say the in-camera rule, which prevents, I suppose, the media and everybody else analysing the results of family law and whether they're fair or not, and the whole system of family law being overhauled because... We've got big problems with free legal aid being abused. You've all sorts of issues in relation to family law. Is it a possibility that in the future it may be reviewed? Fan, um, Sorry, I lost you there for a second. Sorry, Josefa. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Sorry. Yeah, um, I, I know I, I was speaking to Nuala Jackson. She's a senior counsel there recently. And um, actually, Oshin Crotty as well, who's, who's a junior counsel, in relation to their concerns uh, about family law. Um, and, and I know that there needs to be a huge overhaul and the Family Law Courts Bill, which will have dedicated family courts, um, is due to pass, I hope, um, this term. That's really, really important because we need those dedicated family courts. We need the training for judges and we need ancillary supports uh, within the court system itself. Um, It's really, really important that after this referendum, and thank you for your comments in relation to that, that we can support um, couples uh, and particularly their children who are going through um, through, through through matrimonial litigation because it involves all of the family um, and I think things like parental alienation and even though the courts are reluctant to determine 
parental alienation. It does exist, um, but they can, as Ken said, have access to a Section 47 report if, if they can't make... That um, can take time, can't it? And it, can, it, cost, it, and it costs take, money too, five or six and, grand or something. Or. And, that, and that, is, that is a difficulty. Um, but you can imagine why it's so important because you, you're talking about a transfer of custody sometimes from one parent to another. So it's quite a dramatic outcome if parental alienation is established. Um, so... You know, it, it can't be just a knee-jerk reaction. And I think before mm-hmm. we jump to conclusions, the parents should look at their own behaviour. I, I spoke to somebody yesterday, for example, like uh, Josefa, and they, they're, they're currently going through a, a divorce separation situation. And as people may or may not know, you have your, your consultation and then you have your case progression and then you have your separation and divorce, right? And they are saying that, you know, their, their, their ex-partner was making it difficult and not turning up in court, not supplying vouchings. But the ex-partner was on free legal aid, but they weren't. And it was slowing down the process because every time they went in, things weren't ready, put forward another six months before you can get a date in court again. And they're saying, why can the system not be more streamlined? That if, for example, you're using free legal aid, you get you get your consultation, you get your, um, you, you go forward then for your divorce and separation or whatever, your case progression in the middle, and you get your three costs involved. And if you want to delay it or you want to mess it up a little bit more to slow things down, well, that's at your own peril and your own cost. Can we not streamline it in such a way to make it a more efficient system for everybody. Yeah, yeah and, and I think that's the case progression system, which only came in actually not, not so long ago, and that could be 10 years at this point. So it's early enough. That has helped streamline so that, you know, uh, issues can be narrowed and identified and agreed upon before, before you get into court. Before the trial yeah. date is actually given. Um, but no, no, I do accept that, that there, are, there are and there can be unconscionable delays. Um, but, we, you know, we can't stop and one shouldn't. Uh, stop a, a, a lay litigant, for example, representing themselves, or indeed availing of legal aid if they don't have financial means to to uh, engage a private solicitor. Mm. Um, but you know, it's, there's a lot of onus, I think, on legal practitioners themselves to set up, you know, without prejudice settlement discussions in advance, for example, of a trial date. I mean, the fact that we even call it a trial, you know, says a lot uh, about the adversarial system that. You know, matrimonial litigation is 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 carried out in, um, you know, I think the language itself needs to be looked at. And obviously, I'm a big uh, believer in mediation. Also, um, I think well, I, I state mediation would be a great mediation. idea. I know people do go to mediation. A lot of people go to mediation. It doesn't always work out for people, but doesn't. No. Yeah, but maybe a state mediation system would, might be a better setup in, in relation to the results and the outcomes. Now, of course, we have a no blame family law system in this country. I don't believe there's a possibility of that changing in the future. But in saying that, the outcomes of the divorce and separation. I mean, uh, you know, do we need to understand the outcomes a bit better because? Again, maybe it's a myth. Maybe it's just because the stories we hear. But you hear the general gist of it is women have a better outcome than men. We hear about men who are turfed out of the family home, even though they've done nothing wrong, end up, you know, living in a caravan or something like that and having to pay, you know, half a mortgage and maintenance and everything else. Are the outcomes generally fair? In your opinion and your experience, have the outcomes been fair? Yeah, in in both my opinion and my experience, uh, the outcomes have been fair. Um, I've actually probably represented over my 20-year career, more men than I have women. Um, the, the judges have no option but to treat both parties equally. Um, it just so happens that women generally tend to be the primary carers of those children, therefore will remain in the family home. And in the absence of a barring order, um, you know, the, the father shouldn't and, and, and doesn't have to leave the family home either. Um, but having said that, post-separation or post-divorce, mm-hmm. um, both parties shouldn't be expected to live together either. 
So often it can be uh, as a result of an agreement and if not by agreement then the court will make that order if the mother for example doesn't work outside the home um, and the children are best placed with her. It's really down to the, the paramount uh, importance of the, the welfare and the best interests of the children. That's how the judges will make their decisions ultimately. All right, but look, and do you, do you see in the future, just finally before you go, in the future, can you see the whole system being reviewed? Because I, I don't know when the family law bill was brought into into place. And I know it's obviously in camera and people can't really discuss too much about what goes on inside the court. But certainly we could, we can have a look at the outcomes to some yeah. degree. I mean, th- there is there is that balance. And I think you're right. There is that balance be struck between you know protecting the anonymity of the parties and also making sure that we have data and, and precedent uh, available um, for legal practitioners but also I think for the general public um, but I, I do think that the training has definitely improved um, and once we have the dedicated family courts I remember being a backbencher and asking uh, the Taoiseach at the time I think it was Andrew Kenny when was when is this uh, bill going to be put in place so we do need to have it re- everything reviewed um, when we're talking about family law because it's because the world the changes of course yeah 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 it's it's the most d- difficult type of law I believe um, to practice because of the emotional component to it um, and we of need course and you're dealing after. with people's lives I suppose exactly, yeah 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 and, and we need to look after you know the, the mental health uh, as well um, of, of parties going through it and certainly the referendum has helped with that and now we need to go on to the next stage and support uh, support uh, families you know and at least that through a spotlight on yeah. this area in a way that perhaps it hadn't been before that. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Josephine Madigan, Minister for State with Responsibility for Special Education and Inclusion and also uh, pretty much an expert when it comes to family law as well. Uh, uh, Malachy Steenson, who's a regular on the show and family law solicitor. Malachy, I'm kind of glad to hear that this topic is now being raised and we spoke to Josephine Madigan there before the break as well and this webinar is on next week about parental alienation. In your experience and your years of experience in divorce and separation and th- those kind of contentious issues, how common is parental alienation? <laughs> huge issue and not just in, in divorces and that in, in any kind of separation and even in situations where the parties were never living together it's a huge issue and okay. it's mainly and i have to and you know i'll accuse, be accused of being sexist in this it's mainly women who control the children and who turn them against the father it happens increasingly in is, is that because as josepha madigan said that women are the primary carer so when there's a separation situation women usually stay in the family home is that usually why that happens well, they generally have the child more of the time, and they can they take their anger at their, their former partner out on the child, and you've left me, and now you're with X, so you're not seeing the kids, they're my kids. And that's the attitude that prevails. And when Josepha talked about the penalties against people for breaching access orders, that's all very well in law, but in practice, it doesn't happen. Okay, Somebody so so if, if Mary doesn't drop the kid off to Tommy uh, for his six hours access that evening... And he brings her back to court. As I said to Josepha, there's just a slap on the wrist. She doesn't actually get fined. No woman has ever gone to, to jail for refusing to hand over access, or a man, for instance. Um, a man would be more likely to be threatened with jail if he doesn't return the child on time. But a woman, I would have to say, that I would be loath to find a case where a woman has been penalised in any way. And when she talked about fines and all of that, the vast bulk of these cases take place where... Um, there's legal aid or where people are on, on, on welfare. Mm-hmm. So the fines are immaterial. They don't happen. I've yet to see somebody being fined in that sense. A cost order against somebody is meaningless if they're on legal aid. Legal aid won't pay the cost. And people are in and out of court trying to enforce access orders. And people just, 
ignore them. You see. Okay, so when, when we when we talk, okay, well, let me get back to parental alienation per se. So, I mean, normally the system in this country is so slow when it comes to separation and divorce. The system can take, and, and I know you're talking about other instances as well where people never lived together in the first place. But, but generally speaking, we talk about separation and divorce, and so the system can take three to I don't know five years in some cases. I've heard of cases of seven or eight years in some cases. And during that time, you've got two parents who usually are contentious because they, otherwise they wouldn't be in court in the first place. They just sort it out between themselves. So it's usually a contentious situation where either mother or father is telling the other half or telling the kids that your daddy or your mammy is a bad person. And, and that's generally what happens. And even in the non-divorce, if you were to issue a summons today for access in Dublin, you would be lucky if it comes on within the next six months, right? Now, during that time, depending on the age of the child, that child may have forgot about you. May so that child has six months, whoever the child happens to be living with, in most cases, mother, will be living with ma'am, and during that six months, father doesn't get to see the child, and all sorts of things are being said. Yeah, and... The child, you see, what people forget, the child is not a commodity, despite, you know, what we've been told through the past number of years. Nobody owns the child. And it's the child's right to access with both its parents and the right to have a relation, a relationship with them. It's not about me saying, well, you're not seeing my kid because it's my kid. And that shouldn't happen. And we need to have a better system. Dan, but how can you have a system. how can you have a better system? Yeah. And and look, parental alienation talk about this being uh, basically an extension of domestic abuse. Uh, that after all the domestic abuse finishes and after the separation finishes, this still goes on forever essentially until the child becomes old enough to make up their own bloody mind. So and and at that point, it might be too late because they've already been poisoned against one or the other of the mother and father. So how do you well and how do you stop that when it comes to domestic abuse? We can put in place safety orders and all that kind of stuff. How do you prove a parental alienation? You see, any court order now is only worth. And its only value is if somebody abides by it. If somebody says, I'm not going to abide by that order, well, then there's damn all that the courts will do, and in some cases can do. You know, and nobody actually cares. We talked about, we had a children's referendum here, and we listened ad nauseum to people telling us, you know, from the political and established and the NGO class telling us, well, this is about children's rights and children forced and all of that. The, the last people in any family relationships breakdowns in this country now are the children. Divorce and judicial separation is about money. And in, in other cases, then, in, particularly in the district court, it's about control. And it's, I'm not letting him see them kids because I don't like him anymore and I've moved on. And my new partner doesn't get on with him and I don't get on with his new partner. Instead of saying, these kids have a right to have a good relationship with both of their parents. And ultimately, this leads down to, to all of the problems that we have in society. And I know that you'll have them all hopping on the phone now that I'm, I'm somehow condemning single mothers. The vast majority of people who end up on drugs, in crime, or in any other of the problem situations, committing suicide or whatever, all, to a large extent, a very large percentage of them, come from family breakdowns and come from situations where they have been excluded from having a relationship with one or other of the parents by the other parent. Now, and there are many cases where the father just wanders off and just wants nothing to do with them. I mean, 
Of course, yeah. Well, uh, abandonment, right. of course, and, yeah. And, uh, and what, by the way, just to clarify, because I don't want people to get the wrong idea that you're suggesting that single parents are bad people. They're clearly not. There are many single parents who do a wonderful job at raising their children. But, unfo- but unfortunately, you are right. Statistics and statistics here and every other country say the same thing. The majority of problems and social problems happen with children when they come from either a broken home or a single parent family. And, and we and know that... Uh, we, be the male or female back, single parent if, family, by the way. If we go back to even Greek and Roman times and... Uh, you know, the whole development of society. Society was based on, on the nuclear family. Man, woman, child. And that was for a reason. That was because society recognised that, that, that the children were important, the most important in any relationship, and that, you know, we... we I mean, we look. There's not. I'm not questioning the fact that you know two parents clearly are better than one. Two heads are better than one. Clearly, when you're raising a child, but many people do it on their own and do a good job. And I understand what the point you're making. But you said this all comes back to people who are alienating their children from one or the other parent. Yes, and because we now live in a society now where it's all about me. It's about my rights. It's about what I want. It's not about the responsibilities that you have to your child. Okay, well, listen, Maliki, on that note, I have to wrap it up and I will come back to it again. It's a very important topic. I've had so many texts about it. A lot of people want to come on the air and talk about their personal situations. Unfortunately, I can't allow you to do that because a lot of you will be in court and there's an in-camera rule and obviously you're not going to talk about your partner on the air bad because that's going to make things even worse for your parental alienation. Uh, but I will talk to more experts in relation to it because I know a lot of people are interested in it. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.